This is Dr. Holly Lucille's Mindful Medicine. Here's Dr. Holly Lucille. Hello, mindful listeners. Thanks again for spending part of your day with us. We're going to be talking about forgiveness today. Yep, it is a subject that, boy, somebody once told me um, they likened forgiveness to a diet. You're not going to feel good until you get to the other side. That is probably one of the hardest things um, we as humans need and should do more of. (laughs) Uh, But I've got a lovely lady here who has written an incredible book called Walk Through This, Harness the Healing Power of Nature and Travel the Road to Forgiveness. Her name is Sarah Schulting-Krantz. She is a professional life and leadership coach, a motivational speaker, and a certified wilderness guide. She specializes in helping those who have suffered hardship or trauma to find forgiveness and strength in their lives through guided wilderness retreats in locations such as the Grand Canyon and the Pacific Rim. Sarah, welcome to the show. Thank you for having me on. I really appreciate it. It's it's our pleasure, and thanks for being here. And would you agree that... Um, Forgiveness sounds good when you say it really fast, but boy, oh boy, when you've felt or experienced trauma or betrayal or, um, isn't it hard? Yeah, it's interesting you should say that because when you say it really fast, and I always tell people the way to forgiveness is to slow down. And Mm. yeah, it's it's a practice that every single day I wake up and I, I choose to step into the space of forgiveness. You can't do that quickly. It doesn't work that wow. way. Yeah, that is incredible that I said that because, and it's also incredible that you said to slow down because I do think that the word forgiveness, it's kind of almost like I would say, oh, you just have to have faith. You know, somebody is like, oh, you just have to have faith. And I remember somebody saying that to me when I was younger and and I was like, what? I'm like, and then I, I came across this idea that I think you have to earn faith, right? You have to live your life long enough to understand that things will work out. Look back, you know, when you're going through a hard time, but look where you're at now. And, you know, I think that faith is earned. And I I think the same thing with forgiveness. It's, you know, it's, it's, it's like people kind of just fly that word around. Like, it's like, well, just, you know, just practice forgiveness, just practice forgiveness. And it is really fast. But so talk to me more about slowing down. And and then I know your commitment uh, to changing the definition of forgiveness, actually in the dictionary. I want to, I want to hear more about that. Yeah. Well, so how this whole thing happened um, in my own life is, you know, I've lived through multiple traumas. I was raped when I was 17 uh, and had a Mm. child out of that. Mm -mm -mm. had a lot of people that didn't believe me. The police didn't believe me. They wouldn't press charges. There were a lot of people. And I grew up in a very small town in the Midwest, um, a little village. And so there was my practice of forgiveness began back at the age of 17. When I was turned 40, I had another devastating trauma happen within my marriage uh, when I found out that my husband had been betraying me with men for most of our marriage, 14 of 17 years. Wow. So where this comes in in my life and why I believe so deeply in it is the moment that he told me, the moment of discovery, we call that discovery of something, right? The moment of discovery, I looked at him and I said, I want a divorce, but I will forgive you someday. And notice Mm. I said someday, right? And so the interesting thing about that was that for me, and I go back to that moment often, and I I, I sit there with my 17-year-old self, and I know that I was subconsciously bringing my 17-year-old self forward and saying, you know, we've been here before, and we're going to be able to walk through this again. And 
then I didn't even understand that forgiveness was such a huge part of my healing journey until wow. I was asked to use TED Talk. And this was a year ago, November. So November of 2018 is when I did the TED Talk. I'm sorry, 2019, 2019. And when I was asked to do a TED Talk, I didn't know what my subject was going to be on. And she, the, the producer, kept saying, okay, but how did you get to this place where you're just so happy? And at that time, I was 46. And I said, you know, I don't know. I said, I just, I step into forgiveness. Like, it's just, it's just the thing. And then we looked at the definition of the dictionary, and I was floored, floored. <laughs> because in the definition, it says to forgive. Like, the practice of is to forgive and forget. And I remember having this, like, vitriol, uh, uh, like, feeling in my body of, you've got to be kidding me. How can we honor our deepest traumas and the most difficult experiences in our life? if we are being asked to forget what happened. And so thus, <laughs> my whole like thing on forgiveness where I went, oh, okay, this is why I've continuously healed so deeply in my most horrific pain is because when I'm going through my own trauma of recovery, which I've had to do multiple times, it's not about forgetting what happened to you. It's not, it's not about pardoning it or condoning it. It's about honoring it and choosing to hand back the pain that was given to you in the moment that that deepest pain happened. And so this is why it's a practice. It's something that I step into every day. And I believe so deeply in it because, you know, when you're talking about people saying, oh, just forgive, I had people that were saying that to me. Just forgive. Just forget that it happened. And I'm like, wait, we're, how do you put those two together? This doesn't make any sense right. at all. Right. right. It doesn't make any sense at all. And, and words matter. We have learned, if anything, in 2020 that words matter. And so yes. when there is a definition like that in the dictionary, regardless of people realize that's the definition or not, we ultimately, it, it, it matters how we actually have portrayed certain things in history. So thus, I want to change the definition. <laughs> yeah. I think that's quite a commitment. And I, you know, there's a couple things. Um, I started looking up words a long time ago because like there's so many things in words in my field that are connotated like diet. I mean, I was like, mm -hmm. I wonder what diet actually means because we use it like go on a diet, the ketogenic diet, you know, there are so many things that were getting so confused. But when I looked up the word diet, it actually means habitual nourishment. Like how as a habit, do you nourish right. yourself? So that was one that I actually liked. But you know, I was doing the same thing. I had written a, a presentation. And you know, sometimes you as a speaker, you know, they'll ask you for your for the title of your presentation that's due at this point in time, and then your slides are due at another point in time. And so I came up with a title. And when it, when I went to actually write the presentation, I was like, what was I thinking? Like literally, and the word health was right. in my title. And I'm like, I wonder what oh. the word health, I wonder what the word healthy means. And I, same thing with forgiveness. I was like, oh, because it was almost black and white. You're either healthy or you're not. And I was like, and so I, I stumbled up, up across this word in my search called eudaimonia. Um, and I was like, oh, that's the, what I'm really looking for. Like you, so a good spirit, you know, people flourishing. It doesn't mean that, you know, you have to be a certain size or you're your cardiovascular numbers have to be in a certain range. It's that you are you are balanced and you are flourishing. You're this this you know you have a good spirit. And I was like, ah, that's that's the word I was looking for. So very interesting, and I think that's an incredible, incredible commitment. And I love what you say about having to wake up and choose, because I think you know 
as well, we can mention 2020 again. And there is so much, I think, passive pervasive stress for everybody that if you wake up, you know, sort of to your alarm, which is on your phone, and then you're immediately connected to social media or what have you, and you lose yourself and you're not grounding yourself, um, then something like forgiveness or mindfulness or nourishing yourself is going to probably slip away. Right. Yeah, you, you nailed it. You nailed it. And that's why when I started really diving into, so, so I knew the forgiveness piece, right? And then I had therapists and coaches asking me, because I was in severe PTSD, by the way, complex PTSD, when this whole thing happened. And it had, oh, it was horrific. It re-triggered all of my past from when I was 17, because there were so many things that I also had not looked at, because that was 1991. And so in, and, and I even contemplated suicide at one moment. And so it was, it was pretty deep. And so when I had my therapist uh, question me, like how, and she, cause she just, I had one therapist and she would sit back and she'd watch me go through this. I, I, it literally was a magical recovery. And she asked me, well, how did you get to this place? And once like, what else are you doing besides somatic healing therapy with me? And I was really spending a lot of time in nature and I was, connecting with something that was so much deeper than my trauma. And so when I was doing that, my brain was shifting. I was rewiring my thoughts. I was living a life of peace and freedom in the moments, which then ultimately took over the darkness that I had experienced. And also being out in nature allowed me to process and to find clarity and to realize, you know what, forgiveness is here. I can ultimately step out of this pain, detach from the story and create a life of my own living. And I have three sons. And so wow. there was that whole factor in there as well, where I, I really wanted them to see what was possible because we're all going to live through stuff. Sure. If anybody thinks that we're not going to live through stuff, they're mistaken. And so I really wanted to do it for them as well so that they can understand when they end up having their difficulties in life, there, there's a way through them right? There's a way through them. You don't have to get stuck in the rumination and in the difficulties that happen to you. You know, you're right. We're all going to live through stuff. And it's, I think, the poignancy of your book title, Walk Through This, because what's the old saying? Um, if you're in hell, keep going, right? Um, because it's, it's, <laughs> it's, it's going through it. Um, and there's other sayings like the only way out is through. And so just, I want to mention your book title again, walk through this harnessing the healing power of nature and travel the road to forgiveness. Um, and it is a journey, the road to forgiveness. You mentioned something, I mean, I know, you know, a lot from your personal experience. And then of course, your professional life also sort of merges into this, the science of trauma, I know, and, and thank you for being so vulnerable as far as your story of, of surviving sexual assault, but you mentioned something called partner addiction. Can you talk to the uh, listeners more about that? So my, which I didn't even know this existed, by the way, when this happened. So my, uh, my ex-spouse, um, who, by the way, is, he's got a lot of light in him too, and he was feeding his darkness. And so I, I just want to mention that. Um, you know, he had multiple addictions. I found out he was addicted to drugs, alcohol, and sex addiction. And so through the sex addiction piece, I realized, I didn't even know that this existed, that relational and betrayal trauma is something that exists. And so I was the partner of that, 
right? And so, but what was interesting about it is when I was in, when he went into recovery, they also had meeting time for all of the parents and the people whose partners or loved ones were um, in, you know, the, the addiction uh, recovery center. And they started calling me a co-addict and I was like, or a codependent. And I'm like, how can I be a co-addict or codependent when I didn't even know any of this was going on? And so it really started to, um, it really started to give me more insight into how we label certain things and how we label people or we label partners of things. And I don't like labels, by the way. I, I especially when I didn't even sure. know any of this was happening. So I started venturing into and I became sort of... Well, and especially, I hate... Oh, go ahead. I hate to interrupt, but especially if you're on if you're on a journey, if you're on a road, you can't be stagnant. You can't, exactly. you know, be diagnosed because that will that will keep you stable and and in the not stable as stable able, but stable in the moment. And this is a fluid process. So right. just by definition, you can't. I, I I agree with you. I just wanted to get that in there because you have been walking yeah. the road to forgiveness. And and if you're if you're moving, and you know, and you're healing, then you can shed those labels like that. I love it. Exactly, exactly. And I remember standing in the back of the room. I'll never forget it. I was standing in the back of the room, and when they started labeling us as co-addicts or codependents, and I started getting furious because I had no idea. I mean, any of this was happening because he was doing it when, and this is very common, by the way. I just want, I'm sure many of your listeners are going, oh, yeah, yeah, I went through that. I went through something similar. That's why we're here. Because uh, he was doing it across country, right? And so he, he was leading a literal double life. What was fascinating about it was when I sat in the back of the room and they kept calling us that and I felt like I was being like pinpointed, right? And I stood up and I said, how can you call me a co-addict or a codependent when I didn't know any of this was going on? Now, at the time, I didn't have a therapist. And so they didn't... <laughs> It's interesting how I'm really trying to fix that too, because when you take somebody somewhere, you know, like I did with my husband and they really just had me go home to my children and didn't help me. And I've since actually talked to the the recovery center about that because it it was re-traumatizing to me. And, you know, once I finally found my therapist and she said, no, what you're experiencing is trauma. This is relational betrayal trauma. And it just made this like, oh, so this is what I'm experiencing. It's not who I am. Make yeah. sense? I'm not a co-addict, a codependent. I am experiencing trauma. It's a very big difference. Words matter. And yeah. through that, that's where I started. Get, I, and I'm now certified working with re- relational and betrayal trauma partners um, because I just believe so deeply in it. It's, it's, it's something that is, uh, was just horrifying during my life, during that part of my life. And so, yeah, it taught me a lot. I'll yeah, <laughs> it's. I mean, I'm sure. Um, you know, and I mean, I I want to get to this other point in your belief that all of us, whether we are victims, survivors, or perpetrators, offenders, we're alike and have the power to make a big difference. Um, because you know, I think that when words matter and you say things like "I'm experiencing this" instead of "I am this," it's huge because it can take that victimness, um, which so many people get caught in, right? Because it's almost like misery loves company. And it's like, at least I can be here and complain and complain and complain, but it gets you stuck, right? You can't move through. And I love the words matter things so much. You know, 
I think it's even, I, I, I used, um, when, when people will come in and say, oh, my doctor put me on this. And I'm like, that's not physically even possible unless they strapped you down and, you know, push that pill down your throat every, like, I wanted people to have more, more control and more um, power over their own choices. But it's so common. It was like, uh, no, he put me on this. Or, um, you know, my doctor said to take X, Y, and Z. And if they would say, my doctor prescribed X, Y, and Z, and I read about it, and I listened, and you know what? I'm choosing to take it. Like, for me, it just was so much more powerful instead of people yeah. being a victim of the healthcare system or of a here-take-this approach. They could have a choice and go, you know what? My doctor prescribed this, but I'm going to try to modify my diet a little bit and get a little bit more movement in there and, you know, see what I can do on my own. Like, how powerful is that, Right. Yeah. So there's this this phrase. How does it go? I think it's uh, your your words become your thoughts. Your thoughts become your actions. Your actions become yes. You know, yeah. You know that one. <laughs> yeah. I do. Yeah. I do. And it all comes down to our. Values it's so as well, important, right? And so and so and I I know my core values now more than I ever have in my lifetime, and nobody will step on those, including the fact that you know I believe so deeply now in truth and honesty and forgiveness and love, connection, community, family, and so. That's also why I put a part of that in my book. And it's something that I know a lot of people yeah. talk about, but people don't also practice it. Well, and I think that that's true. It's the practice of it. I mean, you say those things so eloquently, and I just want to give you like this big air hug through like the, the, the airwaves because it's like... <gasps> all of those things are so warm and fuzzy, but I know how hard you've worked. And I know that you wake up every day and, and need to work at this. Um, so let's uh, let's shift a little bit and talk about nature and talk about your, um, now I know you are a, a guided wilderness, um, uh, a, a certified wilderness guide, which I'm fascinated by, but there is this thing called nature deficient disorder. So we know of ADD, right? A, a, a attention deficit disorder, um, nature deficit disorder. That's what I was uh, meant to say. Talk to me about this because I've heard it before. I think it's so true. What is it? How is it diagnosed? And why is it essential that we recognize how powerful nature is? Well, so that's actually not my term, just to let you know. So Richard Louv actually coined that phrase, nature deficit disorder. And the, uh, through my own research and figuring out, well, why was nature working for me? It's, it's really fascinating. So, and, and you can't really diagnose it. It's not a diagnosis like ADD or something like that. Um, but what he actually came upon was that the, the more that we are being pulled from nature, the more we are being put on medicine. And so, you know, where we used to as young children or as, which is why when I started this book, I started the very first thing that I talk about is that childlike sense within us because we've, we've lost it. I mean, I haven't, I play all the time, uh, but you know, through play, we explore, right. And through exploring, we learn. And, you know, even if we fail, it doesn't matter. We realize as children that we learn through our failures. And so by exploring, we actually get to see our lifetime differently than we had, right. When we're not exploring. And so nature deficit disorder comes in when we are not living outside of the four walls of our life. Not only that, but we're not living outside of the four walls, which I call it, of our brain. So I equate kind of the two together. So when we are in rumination, when we are in our head, that is similar to being in four walls of our, of our life. We, you know, the cars that we drive, the 
we go to gyms, we go to grocery stores, we no longer plant our food like we used to. I mean, obviously, there are people that field and do all of that. But for the vast majority, it's not like it used to be. And now we're stuck behind computers so much and our phones, oh, right? Oh, my dear. COVID. Yes. <laughs> and if we don't think that that's going to turn into the new wave, we're mistaken because it is. It's definitely going to be the new way of working and living, which is only pulling us even more far away from what we truly need in life, which is the wild. And so, you know, it's, it's interesting because uh, people talk about how you are most alive in the wild. That is where you are most alive is in the wild. And so, yeah, we're being pulled away from that one thing that we actually need more of in our life. When we're in nature, our frontal lobe of our brain actually slows, which is our task mastering. So even you and I being on the phone right now, our frontal lobe is on. We're in our heads. By being out in nature, your frontal lobe slows, your cerebellum, the back part of your brain rises. We drop into our heart, which that's my term. I always say drop into your heart. I use that all the time. And the reason why is because when we are living from our heart and not solely our head, we are living according to our values and who we are. We are living our life that we truly, it's our choice, right? But if you're constantly in the frontal lobe of your brain, you're not, you're not fully aligned with life and living. You know, that is, it is amazing. And I want to ask, so I agree with you. You know, I had just finished up a book called um, The Well-Gardened Mind, uh, The Restorative Power of Nature. Um, by Sue Stewart Smith. And um, it was so fascinating to me because I have gotten more and more into, even though I live in Los Angeles, gardening, and I miss so much not being able to be more outside and going, you know, backpacking in Mount Hood and all of that stuff. And but um, I, I do think nature teaches you so much, uh, the humbleness of it, and how powerful you are and how how vulnerable you are. What is it like how when people when people need this type of healing and they tell me a little bit about how people can find you for these um, uh, retreats yeah. and for your your work? So I'm actually in Los Angeles, too, you know, so if you ever want to go climb a peak, you can just look me up. <laughs> yeah, just saying. Let's do this. Just saying, girl. <laughs> I'll just, yeah. I love uh, it. So you can find me on my website. It's sarahschultengrants.com. It's S-A-R-A-S-C-H-U-L-T-I-N-G-K-R-A-N-Z. Very long name. Uh, and you can also find me on Instagram, Facebook, Sarah Schulting Kranz. And um, we're actually doing a documentary right now, too, which is really, really beautiful. And we, we released a couple of new clips this week. And that's actually called Walk Through This as well. So walkthroughthis.com. Uh, and um, that film is going to be remarkable. I know that film is going to wow. be a serious changing of lives because it is such a beautiful piece of art. And so we need it so badly. Oh, we need it so badly. Hope we're hoping for that to release in fall of 2021, but we're in, we're in funding again. So post-production funding. And so hopefully we'll right. find people just to pick it up and help us finish it. But folks, you don't have to wait. You can wait for that. You will wait for it because, but the book is out. Walk through this harnessing the healing power of nature and yeah. travel the road to forgiveness. Travel, move through, walk through. I think all of those tidbits for today is like we are not stagnant. And yes, your point that we are so connected with our devices that we're so desperately disconnected with grounding and um, and nature that we are definitely tipping the scales as far as 
um, our our brains and our minds and uh, the way that we can uh, actually heal and slow down. I think what you said at the top of the show is waking up and stepping into choice and slowing down was just amazing. I think people really need to hear that, don't you? Yes. Oh, gosh. Oh, gosh, yes. Oh, gosh, yes. <laughs> and, I, and I have to admit, like, even from from well, professional but personal experience too, it's scary sometimes to slow down because that's where the feelings lie. And if, if you're running and if you're in a, you know, a PTSD state or if there's unconscious um, trauma that you don't really want to experience again, it pays to keep you know chaos in your life and it pays to just to keep going fast and getting you know stuff done but not really experiencing your life. It, there's there's benefits from that, but um, it's not going to go away, right? Bringing the unconscious into our conscious so we can actually work with it, huge, huge for, I think, quality of life and joy and healing and forgiveness. Yeah, I always say to heal anything, you have to feel everything. <gasps> and I know. I think we <laughs> should probably go. <laughs> I think we should probably just leave that there then. <laughs> Say it. All right, we're going to sign off with say it, Sarah, say it once again for everybody. Okay, everybody, pull over if you're, pull over. So, okay, say it once again. Okay. To heal anything, we have to feel everything. Oh, gosh. All right. That's amazing. You're amazing. Thank you so much for your healing, your efforts to be with yourself and slow down and choose every day and for sharing your story and hope with all of us. Uh, mindful listeners, it is using your mind, slowing down, and, and being able to feel and then heal. Thanks for being with us. We'll see you next time.